Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me, Bill Arnold here. We had a wonderful hour with the guys that came into the studio. I want to say a special thanks to George Fraser, who came in all the way from his house via car. He is the co-host of Real Recovery. Pastor Tom Brock was here, and then also Mark Senius and Brad Johnson, who teach media here at University of Northwestern. So it was really a a fun time, and I sure appreciated all the great uh, questions that listeners chimed in with. We are going to uh, now have this hour be the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. We kind of do this on Thursdays where we have guy talk and girl talk. And the purpose is to gather people around and have great conversation about God and faith and family issues and everything else that you have in life. Now, today on uh, the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable, unfortunately, we've had a a little bit of sickness. So we're going to play an episode that we previously have had on before uh, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be outstanding, because it is. It's going to be great. Um, in Proverbs seventeen twenty two, it says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back with the amazing and beautiful queens of the roundtable. I'm Neil Statham, manager of Faith Radio. Many of you will be receiving a letter from me this week inviting you to support this ministry. Our fall share fundraiser is just three weeks away, and your response today will provide a strong beginning as we build the financial base for Faith Radio through the year ahead. So thanks in advance for investing in this ministry that proclaims God's Word daily and offers hope for a hurting world. You can send in your reply letter today or give online at myfaithradio.com. Whether it's work stress, conflict in relationships, exhaustion, or even money, there are so many things that, like weeds and crabgrass, try to overcome the gardens in your life. Well, as you listen to Faith Radio, we hope the teaching and conversations you hear are like fertilizer and rain for your soul, helping you grow in your faith and love for the Lord, helping you thrive in your family life, workplace, and community. There will always be weeds, but there is always encouragement. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I always cherish this time that you and I get to hang out and be together and try to learn and grow in our faith and uh, have some time. If you're driving home from work and you've had a stressful day, isn't it nice to have a smile on the way home so you can walk into the door feeling a little refreshed? That's kind of one of the many goals I have um, and I'm not even a goal setter, so there you go. Okay, Queens of the Roundtable, they're amazing and beautiful. I've got uh, Rebecca, Rosie, Kat, and Melissa. That is the squad that's uh, the power panel today. So I am open to your questions. I know they will be able to give you lots of great uh, Christian godly answers. So there you go, and we'll have fun doing it. Let's get started, uh, ladies. First of all, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
Um, is relationships 90% figuring out where you're going to eat out? Yes. <laughs> and what you're going to do on your date, right? Mm. On your date night, that one big, fabulous. Is there a, is there a lot of pressure on date night? I think so. I Who think plans it? You? Uh, or the hu- yeah. Or the hobby? Well, only him if he's in trouble. You know, like, seriously, <laughs> if I'm like, okay, hey, I've done the last six, you need to plan one. Uh-huh. But otherwise, yeah, it's usually me. And does, is the comment, well, what do you want to do? And you're thinking, I just wish you'd take charge and plan something. No, okay, I might be in trouble because, no, I don't think I ever asked that. I think I'm like, <laughs> let's do what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, you know, we kind of, we kind of walk the same walk. So we kind of know, like, we need to walk around Lake Harriet mm-hmm. and, a double scoop of Sebastian and Joe's. Okay. You know, that can be a date night or, you know, we kind of know. We, we're kind of at 25 years in the same rhythm. Like, we haven't gone to the theater for a while. So, we're pretty flexible. Yeah, and now, Kat, you're a newlywed. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, you're still having lots of date nights, aren't you? Because there's no kids involved and <laughs> yeah, anything else. True. Yes, we got uh, married in uh, August of last year. Uh, so, that is very fun. Um, I feel like when we want to go out to eat... Um, or we want to go get food, um, I feel like we complement each other really well because I like to plan and my husband does not. And so I... And, win, and it, win. It, you said that so nicely at one year. Really? <laughs> yes. I, I have places that I really want to go check out and I know that he would really enjoy it too, like hole-in-the-wall places because otherwise you can get into a rhythm of just going to kind of chain places and it's fun to branch out. Nice. Yeah, I saw, I met your your husband at a, a picnic, and I've never seen more food piled on one plate in my life. <laughs> That's true. He loves food. <laughs> no, I mean, and he's, a, he's a fit guy. He's in great shape, but the amount of food he had on a plate was stunning. Yes. I took a picture of it. It's alarming. I still have it. No, I have it. I like to post it, but I don't want to get sued. So anyway, <laughs> Melissa. Well, um, I'm, I'm widowed and single, so I don't have to compromise. <laughs> I just go wherever I want, <laughs> drag the kids along. You're going to like it, and... Uh, but when, we, when I was married, when my husband was alive, um, it didn't really matter as long as I could eat his fries. Mm. Uh, it didn't really. You like the fries? I just eat the fries. Yeah. And he, it would make him mad. He would say, if you wanted fries, you should have ordered fries. And I would say, why should I when I knew I you yours. were going to have yours? Yeah. yeah so. What's yours is mine. And what's mine is mine. <laughs> now, isn't that, did you guys ever have that conversation with your respective spouses on it was okay to share their food when you were dating and then you get married and boom, that is not okay anymore. <laughs> no. Get your own portion. <laughs> No? No. Oh, that was really, that was one of the things that fell off once we were married from dating. When Mm -hmm. we were dating, it was cute. Go ahead, have some of my fries. We'll share. When we got married, get your own. Mm -hmm. I like to do uh, uh, little love nibbles or um, bites on my my husband's food. And so if I bring him something, um, I like to take a little nibble out of the corner of it. And I know that he doesn't appreciate it, but I get a kick out of it. (laughs) I was going to say, I bet he doesn't. I bet he's like somewhere going, I bet oh, he, I wanted that pipe. Yes, I bet he still eats the used food, though. <laughs> doesn't he? The used food? Yeah, I mean, you've taken a bite out of it, so oh, it's yeah. used. Mm-hmm. I thought you used. meant spitting it back up no, that for a second. No, no. I'm like, Bill, that is disgusting. That's not, even a, it's not even a new piece of food has <laughs> been eaten. So, all right, let's talk about friendships and solid, great friendships. Because it seems to me, on occasion, women have a tendency of breaking up with other women friends. Well, guys don't really ever do that. They, they, they can just be mad at each other and they can yell at each other and they go, okay, what time are we playing golf tomorrow? And I've seen in the past where women have gotten into scuffles and disagreements and they've really just stopped being friends. Wow. 
I don't know. I don't know about you ladies. I haven't had that experience. Okay. Maybe I, have I had... just made that up. Rosie's oh, no. an awesome friend, though. Oh, <laughs> you are so <laughs> sweet. The ladies in this room are going to be exceptional friends. I can just vouch for them. I, I have had seasons where friendship seasons change. Like you're you're at baseball games with each other, and that's where you intersect and your lives intersect. And then all of a sudden, baseball season's off, and you don't see each other as much. But an actual scuffle, I've never had. One. Okay. All right. Has that been a case with you, uh, Melissa? Well, um, when I reflect back on my closest friends, they are all 30 years plus. So they've been around for a really long time. Um, But yeah, I have had friends for seasons and there have been occasions when a friendship has been unhealthy that I've gotten to a point where I've had to decide that that wasn't what's in my best interest and probably not hers as well. So I I don't necessarily... Uh, dump them at the side of the road, but um, there have been occasions where uh, friendship has had to end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Rebecca, I haven't heard you chime in yet. Oh, you want me to take this one? I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> what does it take to be a good friend? Kind of, uh, yeah. Well, and and what you mentioned, Rosie, the situational types of friends. I think mm-hmm. they're they're situational friends and they're intentional friends, and there are lots of times commonalities can draw us together and then when those commonalities change or maybe just that stage of life changes then you move away because the thing that kept you in common wasn't really intrinsic to who you are it was just that circumstance Um, and for me the true friends that I've developed have been around something that is less shakable that mm. like the friends that I meet in church and the friends that I know that I can go to, you know, we have a great Bible study and then that develops into we're having coffee at each other's house or we'll call each other up and be able to go shopping or to go do something outside of um, outside of our work or outside of our study. And it, it kind of has to take on that independence, I think, in order to to delve in deep. So I'm not somebody that has like a whole bunch of just this wide swath of friends. Um, I have very a few very deep friendships. Um, I would say one of the things that challenged that was geography. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. have some really deep relationships and then you have to move to another city, another community, when you stop seeing them, that can put a strain on the closeness. But these days, especially with things like, you know, social media and Skype and, and all the ways that we can stay in contact, mm-hmm. the even those friendships can still survive. I think if they're based around something intrinsic, like honestly wanting the best for that other person um, and knowing enough about them to say, I, I just love you. And I just honestly want everything that is in you that God's put in you to shine mm-hmm. to its best. And that type of encouragement, I don't think dies. Mm-hmm. All I right. agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, are you on social media? Yes. Yes. All of you? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Has it been, um, mostly a blessing or have you found that it has done things to your psyche that you wished you would have never gotten involved with it. I really think that social media um, can have more uh, negative uh, effects. Often, um, I mean, I I have, you know, I'm a just, I'm 27, and a lot of my friends that are around the same age um, are choosing not to be on social media anymore completely cold turkey deleting accounts and um and i really respect that i think because for a lot of people it can be kind of an, an addiction um to have to go on to something and and swipe and and see what are other people doing in a, in a comparison game mm-hmm. i always find i'm not that interesting you know i i, I love <laughs> i love me i'm fine with it but i just i don't think of posting things like 
you know, people say, oh, you should have posted that. And I went, who wants to know? Like, <laughs> I, I, I really am surprised that people would want to know. So I think that's where I say I'm kind of on it. I'll touch base with folks. But frankly, I just I'm usually with the people that I'm with, like I'm with the people that are in my present life. And to keep all those other contacts mm-hmm. going or even it's just too much for me personally. So I not really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find that for me, I use it kind of as a platform. I have two goals for um, social media. It's to promote mental health and mm-hmm. to promote levity. And so if I can do either one of those things, mm-hmm. um, those are kind of my goals. If, a, if something funny has happened at home, I'll share it. If I have some great link for mental health or grief resources, I'll share those. Um, and Jimmy Fallon did read one of my tweets on hashtags. <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. We're, we're talking, uh, we've got the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Round Table, uh, and we're looking for any issue or concern or question or Something you'd like us to discuss from a female perspective. We'd love to hear your question uh, or your issue or whatever it is you have for us. 877-933-2484. You can call and speak to us or you can send us a text if you like. I'll give you the number again. 877-933-2484. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Thank you for saying that, Kat. You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. I'm loving this hour. We've got the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable here in studio. We've got Rebecca, Rosie, Kat, and Melissa, and we're going to cover just about anything and everything. If you have a concern, an issue, a question, let us know. 877-933-2484. We will do, they will do their best to answer it from a distinctly feminine female perspective uh, with uh, God's word always behind every answer as best they can. Okay? So, uh, Melissa, you've gone through a period of great grief, having lost your husband. And, Kat, you're young, so I don't know if you've experienced much grief in your life. And, Rosie... Uh, you've almost experienced tremendous grief because you almost lost your husband, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, are your parents still alive? My mom has passed okay. and my dad is still here, yeah. Okay. So uh, talk, if you would, a little bit about uh, grief and how you experience it. I think for me, grief is um, loss, of course. I mean, that's the very obvious, but I think grief can be lost. Uh, you can grieve severely over loss of several things, loss of your identity in a job, mm-hmm. um, perhaps that you put your whole investment in, loss of a loved one, um, loss of a child, um, children growing up and, and being married to somebody else, and you were the integral part of that relationship until they found their spouse. So uh, to me, when I've experienced grief, it is in recognizing that that relationship has changed. And sometimes for me, uh, the Lord's had a little check with me that perhaps that relationship or whatever I am grieving had gone up too high and perhaps above him even, mm-hmm. that my identity or my worth was coming out of that relationship and so or that job or whatever it may be. And so my um, hierarchy of what is important had gotten out of whack. And so typically... If it's a healthy type of loss, I recover from it much faster. Mm-hmm. If the Lord has stayed on his throne, 
But if it has gotten out of whack, that relationship loss is typically more difficult for me and the recovery is a little bit more difficult. So I've had both. I've had times where I feel like the Lord um, used it as an example of uh, being out of balance. I think Augustine calls it disordered loves Hmm. where a love, it's not that you love bad things, but you love good things too much. Right. So a good thing will rise to a level maybe even higher than your desire or love for the Lord, and then Mm -hmm. you're in trouble. Right. Melissa, would you chime in? Wow, I just think Rosie has tremendous wisdom. She does. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's true. I think that we grieve things that we have turned into idols. Um, We grieve things that have... I think a lot of our grief is when we have certain expectations that the, the... world is going to go on the way we want it to go it's going and so when it doesn't when our expectations are um failed we grieve them you know it's it all becomes kind of a loss of a dream a death of a dream of you know those relationships those people that job that identity um and i think as far as timeline though i think that it kind of there's so many factors that play into that how quickly we grieve and it's based on who we lost, how we lost them, how close we were, or how fractured that relationship was. And, you know, so if you're grieving the death of a child who lost their life to a heroin overdose, it's a very complicated, long-term, traumatic type of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though the Lord does remain on his throne, uh, it's still going to be a really hard one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Have the ladies discuss over-parenting and how to not do it. <laughs> Do not ask my sons, Bennett or Alex. Okay. <laughs> they are, you're not going to call them, Bill, right? Like, no, this no, no, is, no. This no. is just, I could make up anything right now. You totally can. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying really hard to keep my cat alive right now. Okay. So I think I'll just sit back and soak on this Okay, one. yeah, you go ahead, You've succeeded cat. so far. <laughs> Very That's good. good uh, so um, can, I, can I talk about Please? that? Yeah. Okay. So... Um, you know, I've got two kids who are grieving the death of their dad right now, and it's, it's, I can't overparent. I can barely parent because it's a really, really hard trajectory for them. Um, but the thing is this. Okay, so um, backtracking, I'm not much of a gardener. Um, and so I generally will plant things in the ground. I'll kick some dirt over them and then wish them good luck and hope that they do well. If not, fine. Um, but what happens is, when I'm not watering them constantly, when I'm not feeding them constantly, I'm talking about, about my plants, not my children. Um, the, the adversity is adversity is kind of good for that plant because it has to dig deep to get nurture, nourishment and water, and it has to you know branch out to really thrive. And I find that when then a hard wind or a strong storm comes along, that plant isn't going anywhere because it is so tethered to the ground through its root system. And I think that when we allow our children to endure some adversity in their lives, when we don't overprotect them, they're going to become hardy, resilient children full of grit. I think that when we wrap them in bubble wrap, we're doing them such a disservice because they're not learning how to navigate conflict. They're not learning how to navigate boredom. They're not learning how to tolerate distress in ways that are actually going to benefit them in the long term. And it's not going to nurture their faith because they're never required to question what they believe and who God is and what the character of God is in these adverse situations and circumstances. Beautiful answer. What she oh. said. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Next question. Yeah. Um, My husband's fighting sexual impurity. 
So a little bit of uh, porn use. Um, he's making an effort to be set free from this sin. So how can I, as a wife, help him fight? Should I try to do something to keep him accountable with lots of prayer, or should I back away and have him fight it alone with lots of prayer? This is such a hot topic right now. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's the hot topic that no one wants to talk about. and So you're uh, making us talk about it. So you're Thanks, making Bill. us talk yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, it's a hot topic, uh, and I can uh, um, address this. I don't know, Melissa, the ages of your kids or... Uh, 15, he's turning 15 next week, and uh, 19. 19, both boys? A boy and a girl. Boy and a girl. Okay, so um, because I'm a, the only female in my house, I have two boys and my husband, we've talked about this um, topic since the boys were young. And um, because it's so prevalent and, and yet so hidden, there's so many um, different resources right now, and I I'm going to speak out of turn because I'm not a professional on the topic. I don't know if if the professional world has sifted out what they should be doing. I don't know if there's the best practices yeah. yet because this is such the issue of um, sexual addiction is just coming to the forefront. I mean, yeah, it, it's a. I know that we've done a lot of research on it in our house just to help our boys navigate. It's so accessible. Um, and they're in this world, and we haven't in our house found a best practices yet. Yeah, this question, though, is asking about her husband. Oh. Her husband is dealing with it. Um, so uh, if you had a husband that was struggling with it, yeah. Well, I can't pretend to be an expert either, so lay that as fair warning. Um, but the, the phrase that caught my attention in that question is, should I back away and have him fight it alone? And just, again, for whatever it's worth, um, I don't think in marriage we ever do anything alone because that's truly the fear that many of us have. In fact, Bill, we were talking about that with Glenn Pickering not too long ago, mm-hmm. that the devil's biggest lie and the fear that strikes at our hearts is that we are alone, whether that's rejection or you know people aren't going to like me or I'm not going to be good enough, and they will leave me alone. And that is the devil's root lie, that you're not good enough and you will be left alone. And so... I I can't help you walk through everything step by step. And I do think you've recognized that prayer is super important. Absolutely. And amen. I think if you can pray about it together, if you can pray about it separately, the fact that this has come to the forefront, hopefully you're able to talk about it together and recognize that you are in it together because nobody should be facing that kind of a burden or shame or guilt or whatever it is. Marriage should be that place where you can say, we recognize that we're both super broken and we're coming together, and I will never leave you to fight this alone. We're always going to be on the same team. We're always going to be in it together, even if it hurts. If what you're doing is hurting me, and you know this, and you're willing to fight it for that reason, I'm in this with you. I want to see success and victory, and I will love you. Even in the midst of this hurtful time, you're not alone. All right, we're going to take a little break. We are still uh, got lots of show left coming up so we'd love your questions or that any issue you would like us to tackle 877-933-2484 we've got the amazing and beautiful queens of the round table and they're ready to take your question and discuss it from a distinctly uh, feminine position i just love it we'll be back in about 90 seconds You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we've got uh, 
the amazing and beautiful queens of the round table. We call it Girl Talk, but, you know, that's the formal title. And we're open to any any question you have, any concern, any issue, let us know what it is. We'll talk about it. 877-933-2484. Aaron is calling in from somewhere in Wisconsin. Awfully glad you called, Aaron. You got a uh, comment or question for us? Yeah. Hi, Bill. And thank you for having the show today with you better, the guys huh? and yeah. the lady. Oh, yeah. Uh, my question, my question, well, first, I had a comment about the last topic. Uh, the thing that came to mind is um, is side by side. I think with a husband and wife, you know, if he knows that she loves him no matter what, and if she's wanting to know what to do to help him, stay by his side. You know, I can relate to that. Um, if I know it's not going to be a head-on, let's rack our horns together, but it's going to be a shoulder-to-shoulder kind of walk through this. That's going to help me the most, and I think that would help him. Awesome. Great comment, Aaron. Mm -hmm. Okay. The question I had was I've got a 10-year-old daughter, and I'm curious about some practical good ways to to build her um, esteem in herself and, and to keep her from gaining the, you know, the opinions from other, everybody else. All right, great question. Sense, Ladies, who'd yeah, like to jump on Aaron, or Aaron's question? I'll start. I think um, one of the best ways to affirm her is to not affirm her appearance or what the world values in her, but what God sees in her, and particularly around her strengths and her skills that are innate in her, and really highlight them, the way she problem solves, the way she is creative, the way she's... Um, the way she asks questions, whatever those things are, affirm those and don't be shy about being lavish with that praise and affirmation. I, um, it's funny. I had actually just thought about this, um, a few weeks ago. I was thinking back to a younger me who was just completely consumed with the clicks and with appearance and with um, just the uh, just all the, all the aspects that young girls in high school or middle school uh, get stuck in. And um, I completely agree that uh, the things that need to be uh, grown in her are roots of truth. And just to understand where she's coming from, you think that, oh, you know, the this thing with her friend is is such a little thing she'll get over it but it's kind of like uh, she's a, a frog in in water this is her environment she's going to a school all day you know five days a week and this is she's in an environment that um, is difficult sometimes and, and this is where bullying can be really difficult too and so um, just being able to empath- empath- empathize, empathize thank you yeah, yeah. Um, with what she's uh, where she's coming from, uh, but then also just just establishing those deep deep truths in her. Mm-hmm. I also think too, uh, your role as dad is so vitally important because just spending time with her, and I know that uh, sometimes women, we have more words than men need to hear. And um, at least that's what I've been told by my boys and my husband that I could go on and on. Less diplomatically. Yes, much less diplomatically. <laughs> Again, we have a lot of fun in our house. However, uh, your quality time with her, taking her um, out, uh, spending time with her, there's so much that goes on that's unspoken. When you love her 
just the way she is and you listen to her and that is the root of her self-confidence. It really is. And if you're not trying to improve her or not trying to make excuses for the world or whatever, but you just listen and she's the most important thing to you and she knows it and she knows that you love to take her out for coffee and you'll listen for an hour to her while she's having her hot chocolate, that goes miles and miles and miles against what the world is telling her about herself. Yeah. Every girl wants her dad's love and yes. approval. And and I think the listening part, sometimes guys want to fix things, I seem to have noticed. <laughs> um, just just a, a, a suggestion here that sometimes it's okay to just listen. And she just wants you to hug her and mm-hmm. say it's going to be okay. Yeah. And that I love you and recognize all those great things. Uh, resist the tendency to fault find or to pick apart sometimes mm-hmm. if, if that's your way. Um, maybe maybe just say, okay, she just needs to unload for a little while and she needs me to be there and you're the strong shoulder and she right. she needs your love and support no matter what, even if it doesn't really seem like it because there will be moods. Right? <laughs> there will be days where that doesn't seem real, but it is true. She loves you and she wants you to love her. There's Great. Not- Great. Is there an area in your life where you can sort of sense that you're a God stretching you a little bit or you're growing and you think, oh, I'm at a different place than I was a year ago? Um, are you are you seeing something in your life that you could share where God's mm-hmm. stretching you, growing you? Um, I... Uh- from, so I'm newly I'm newlywed um, uh, from August, and something that people can tell you about um, about how you you go and you create a family with your husband. I love my family, and uh, my husband loves his family, and I am growing in understanding what it's like to balance two separate families and recognize at the same time just how important it is that we establish our family as well, just the two of us. Um, and you can almost feel like you're betraying the, your two sides of, of your families by not being available to everything. Um, and, uh, that's something that I'm growing in right now. And it's actually been kind of hard. Um, but I really do see the benefit in just having, making sure that we're having us time and, um, building traditions together. And, um, and it's, that's exciting amongst, um, some difficulty. Mm-hmm. That's a growth phase for sure. For sure. There's a reason we're told to leave and cleave, though, right? Right. So that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then on the opposite end of when one of us dies, there's the the grieve part. And I'm in a place of life where I am trying to find purpose in my pain. What is God calling me to do with this? Because I can't let this grief be in vain. I can't, I can't just exist experience it and then walk on. Um, and so I'm in a place of deep obedience to God in what he wants me to do with this and how to use this for his glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. I feel like I need to pause there for a minute and just soak that in. That's, that's pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Um, obeying even when you don't understand. Man, and even if he did send his angel down to me and explain why all this happened, it still wouldn't make the pain go away. True. You know, so it's still finding purpose in it. We need to always find a good balance between um, feeling that we're 
we're, we're doing all we can do and we're, we like our lives. We're content with how things are going. And then we also want to figure out how do we improve? How do we grow? Um, it seems that the, the, the roles and the, and the demands of life are busier than ever with less margin than you've ever had before. Would you say that the amount of time you have for your personal self is small? Yes. Okay. Yes. Kat, maybe not so much for you? Not so much. Okay. She has a new husband who indulges her. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca? Not not necessarily in my... I don't feel like I have a lot of me time a yeah. whole lot right now. Yeah. For those who know my life story, they know why. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe that's the point. I mean, maybe in this chapter of my life, I'm focusing on serving others and kind of pouring myself out there. So the, the idea of filling back up sometimes seems selfish, but I know that I still need to do it. So that's the balancing act that I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. So how do you factor rest into your world to have it uh, be something that gives you strength and renews you and gives you the courage to face another day you know i think that um was would have been my answer to my stretch with god right now is he's really working on me to have rest in the immediate so i love to take walks i love to read a book i love to do all these things and if i don't have that opportunity god's challenging me right now to take a deep breath and to recognize that he's present and so you know, I don't like to use the word centering because that's just has all these different implications. Um, and it's been hijacked to a lot of different arenas that I wouldn't necessarily be in agreement about. But there is that remembering that he is right there and to take a deep breath and to find my rest. And that to me has been an equal, you know, sign to trust. So he's working on me that rest is now mm-hmm. and it's trusting him and to take a deep breath and really putting into practice when I say, oh, he's always with you. No, he's always with you. And mm. so that has been my stretch is I think I've always had it in my mind, but putting it into my heart and, and really trusting him that he's got this. Mm-hmm. What's a positive step you take when you feel a ball of anxiety? I, I take um, my, one of my spiritual disciplines is solitude. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I seek solitude and time with God, and um, it, that is just such a respite for me. Is it a closed door with your Bible? Is it? Do you go out for a walk? What do you do? Yeah, no, I don't walk. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm lethargic. Um, I yeah, I close the door. Okay. I cover the window to my office. Okay, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I gotta get I gotta get shades for this office, <laughs> yeah. this studio. I no windows, shades. no lights. No lights. I want everything dark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure there's a verse for that. Okay, good. Kat? I've, um, I, so anxiety. Yes. Um, what do we do when we feel anxious? Do you, you, do you have anxiety? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I, oh absolutely. Okay. Um, I feel like something that I have done and that is not helpful is um, trying to numb out, um, like watching television. I have found that to be, if I'm anxious and I numb out to um, television, basically, that's probably the biggest one, I will wake up the next day with the same feelings of anxiousness. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, you have to sit in it. You have to deal with it. You you cannot put it behind a door, um, sh- shove it in a drawer or something like that. It it has to be 
um, something that you dwell in in the moment and um, you, you just can't, can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I like that idea of sitting with an emotion all the way through to completion um, to process it instead of flee from it or eat it away or shop it away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Although shopping's very fun. I agree. <laughs> in stores or online? Both. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon Prime. <laughs> in stores for sure. Okay. Sometimes it's about the hunt. So. Okay. <laughs> for me, uh, it's so funny because so much of anxiety or stress um, is both spiritual and physical. And so a very practical physical thing I've been doing is just writing out what I have that's inside my brain. Sometimes just writing it out allows my brain to find a solution. And boy, this the, the stress or the anxious sales, you know, the air comes right out of them. So it's, you know, it's definitely a combination. It's spiritual and it's physical because sometimes you do have too many things on your calendar and you must address the order or order them. And so I've been finding writing it out has been very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think resisting the urge to feel like you have to, well, and, and this might be a good bookend to Melissa's uh, comment because solitude, I think, is probably important in many instances. But sometimes when I feel overwhelmed is when I get anxious and I think I have to do all these things that I can't do by myself. And in those times, I feel unequal to the task and I get overwhelmed and I sit and stew in it, <laughs> which is not good. Uh, but even tackling that with counterintuitively asking for help sometimes if it's a problem that I feel like I can't control or address completely um, then if it's sometimes that's a God thing and that's between me and him then then we then we need to do the work on that but sometimes it's a, a concrete issue a task at hand and I can actually ask for help and say it's not a weakness for me to go to someone and or delegate or um, it's it's not always, it doesn't always have to be my way or in control in that way. I can rely on the other people around me that want to help and that are there ready and waiting. So that's one maybe practical step that if people are feeling overwhelmed, that maybe it's just time to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And a listener uh, chimed in with this great verse from Psalm 94 in 18. It says, when I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. That's awesome. We'll take a little break. We're talking to the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. If you have a question or concern or issue, anything you'd like us to discuss from a distinctly female feminine perspective, let us know. 877-933-2484-877-933-2484. That's a call or a text. We'll take it either way. You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Welcome back to the show. Amazing and beautiful queens of the roundtable are in my studio. So I am loving that. I think we've got a caller already on the line. would like to jump into this uh, discussion. Sandra is calling from the great state of Wisconsin. Sandra, welcome to the show. Hi, Hello. Hi, Sandra. How are you? Oh, oh, I am fine. Enjoy this show with these gals. They're awesome. Uh, they are, and so are you. Oh, thanks, Sandra. <laughs> Let's talk more about me. Oh, well, I just have a comment regarding young girls or women 
Uh, I think most young girls, they they don't think they're pretty. I mean, their teeth are a little crooked, or they maybe they got a freckle or a mole or something, you know, they don't like about themselves. And uh, something I heard one time really helped me, because young girls are are very conscious of how they look and how other girls look, you know. And this really helped me. um, This man said, women or girls, they're like flowers. They are all different, uh, but they're all beautiful. I mean, one might be like a tulip or a lilac or a rose or an orchid. And you know, that's really, that really helped me because there's something beautiful about each woman or each girl. Hmm. And that just strengthened me and it's always stayed with me. So I just wanted to say that. Sandra, I appreciate that comment. And just so you know, I'm sitting in a garden right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Bill's really a lucky guy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so okay. much. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a great visual, isn't it? It isn't is. A lovely it's image. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And it also helps us understand the depth and the amazing uh, diversity of God as well, that mm-hmm. each one of us are made in his image. We're so different and we each personify such different elements of who he is in that way. I, I don't know. I just think that's cool that no matter who you see, we all have our own beauties and strengths and it all reflects back into the same amazing God. Mm-hmm. Amen. How did you learn conflict resolution? Did you learn it in your family? Did you learn it as an adult? Ooh, did boy. it start as a family uh, issue and then you had to get counseling when you got older? I'm what offended happened? by the question, Bill. I, I, figured you would be. <laughs> I figured you would be. We worked, we worked too much together. <laughs> well, I'll just be transparent. So I grew up in, uh, in a home that was uh, addiction was a big part of it, especially in our second half of my family's life. So I had to learn conflict resolution. I thought I was resolving conflict, but it took counseling about being an adult child of an alcoholic for me to even understand that conflict had resolution and you didn't just stop mm. it. Like the first time I thought, oh, you you actually address conflict and you're okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, wow, that's something new. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was counseling. I needed professional um, guidance on that, but I don't, maybe other families were more healthy. Um, I... It's cat. <laughs> um, for me and uh, conflict resolution, I think something that's been so interesting to me is just that everybody deals with it differently because of your families and how you grew up. I remember in college, and this is where I learned conflict resolution, I realized there that I wasn't very good at it um, because I would, you know, I would be really frustrated with like a roommate or whatever and I would leave and I would think about that conflict all day and I would come up with the perfect thing to say and I would come through, barge through that door and be like, okay, we're going to handle this right now and, you know, I would say my thing and she wasn't thinking about it. <laughs> I interrupted her in the middle of doing homework or a book and she's just completely blindsided and I realized that okay, you know, she was not dwelling on it all day. She was handling it differently and realizing also that um, when I get excited and want to fight the conflict, people feel like I am fighting them. Uh, interesting. Um, I brought that into uh, marriage and and was able to uh, quickly remember um, my experience in college so that we, we've been able to handle conflict better. Mm-hmm. My, um, I, I didn't witness a lot of conflict growing up because my father thought everything my mother did, every one of her flaws was endearing and charming and beautiful. And so she would yell and he would chuckle and that would be the end of it. I learned conflict resolution from my husband and he was a master at apology. 
like he would own what he had done. He would sincerely apologize. He would make amends. But in research, I found um, from John Gottman and his um, marriage research, the conflict is resolved and the relationship is repaired not through the apology, but through the person, the recipient of the apology. If I apologize to you, Bill, and you are able to say, I accept that apology and I will choose not to remember this anymore, that is the repair of the relationship. So it conflict resolution requires resolving the conflict, fixing the problem, apologizing, and also accepting that apology. Great, great, Melissa. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Here's a question. I've been married for 27 years to an extremely sweet woman who is a self-described people pleaser. Trouble is, she exhausts herself and has little left in the tank for me and the kids. I don't want to be selfish, but if I'm honest, I feel a little shortchanged. What mm. do I do? I think there could be a recovery group from people pleasing, you know? <laughs> I think women, we we fall into that quite often. And to the last question, you know, that's a conflict. And to be able to approach it in love and and to say, you know, you are wearing yourself out and... We love you, and we know that you have all these ener- this energy. But to approach it in love, and to, and to say this is a conflict for me, I think that that's fair because nobody wants to see their spouse exhausted. And if that person isn't necessarily, if your spouse isn't necessarily ready to receive that, you, you're going to know. I mean, we don't know this person's relationship, but that person will know if this is going to fall on difficult ears. And perhaps they have a backup plan. Like, I know this is going to be hard to hear. Can we discuss this? So it's it's about being honest that they also have a concern and that concern is for the benefit of their spouse. I think that's a beautiful way to approach it. Mm-hmm. Not that I know what that feels like at all. <laughs> as, a re- as a recovering people pleaser, yeah. Um, and I think the difficulty is with people pleasing, sometimes the voices outside grow more important or louder mm-hmm. or more prominent than the voices that are closest to you that should be your first priority. Um, I don't know exactly why that happens, but I'm not the doctor in the room. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think when you're dealing with this, it may be important to not sound like you're trying to criticize or pile on because mm-hmm. that could could backfire. But I, I'm also, the word serving is coming to mind um, as well, that maybe if she's out there serving everybody, that's the way that she feels love. And so she's trying to, to show love to everybody. It's exhausting her and she needs someone to pour back into her as well. So maybe in tandem with a conversation you're suggesting, Rosie, maybe you can find ways to serve her that help her feel built back up and, and loved. And then when you know, I'm sure she'll recognize it because clearly she cares about the details of life and making people feel good. Uh, so when you're able to do that for her, she'll say, thank you. You know, you're, this is this is so sweet. I feel loved and cared for. And then maybe you can have that discussion that I want you to be everything, all these wonderful things that you are. I want to be able to enjoy that with you. It seems like you're getting exhausted and burnt out and, you know, maybe give her that in a, in a fulfilling way and an uplifting way instead of feeling like it's a criticism. Well, and I know one of the things in, in recovering from that sort of persona uh, is finding the root of it. Like I had to have a mm, conversation yeah. with the Lord about where is that coming from? Part of it is loving people and having a lot of energy myself. But part of it was an honest conversation of 
what am I trying to get mm. from doing so much people pleasing? And, you know, if the relationship is of such where you can help her see that, if that is your relationship, because not all relationships have that sort of unity or affinity or trust in them. So if you can help her see that and help her get to that point of, can we look at the root of this? You know, is this because you just are having so much fun or is there, are you getting something, are you trying to get something for yourself and can we talk about that together? I just don't think you should ask that when she's exhausted. No, 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 no. bring her chocolates. (laughs) There you go. Run the bath. That's serving. (laughs) Yeah. We're down to a last minute and 10 seconds. Uh, What's the name of your oldest friend and how often do you talk to that person? Listen. Um, well, I have a couple oldest friends. One of them, I see her every week. She comes and stays at my house every Wednesday night because she teaches up here at one, a couple of universities. Sweet. Yep. So we talk friends often. for a long time. Very long time. Okay, Kat. Uh, Sophie. Sophie. I'm 27 years old, and we've known each other for 27 years. <laughs> um, and she's a, a very old friend. So. Okay, Rosie. Uh, my older sister married Joe and weekly. Nice. My, my sister, although I wouldn't call her my oldest friend, she'd get after me for that. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of my family, my friend Jen. Um, and again, not oldest, but yeah. super awesome friend. And we don't see each other very often because we're in different states, but yeah. we talk a lot. Well, stay in touch. Stay in touch with your friends because they are the best. That's what we have in life is we have our walk with the Lord and we have the relationship we have with our family and friends. But... Uh, that is, that's where such joy is in, in friendship. So go love on those people. That wraps up our show. Thanks to uh, Guy Talk and the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. I've loved it. I hope you have too. Have a great night, everyone. As you lay your head on that pillow, just know that God is working out his great plan in your life. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.